Welcome back to the SESC Pocket PLC podcast. I'm your host, Leah Markham, and joining me today is a fantastic group of fifth grade social studies teachers from across the Southeast South Central Kentucky region. I invite you to listen in as they discuss their current areas of focus or concern in their classrooms. Here we go. Uh, we're going to just shift into segment two now and let you share your areas of focus or a current concern and then what support would be helpful going forward. Currently, my area of concern would be, are my students ready for short answer for KSA and extended response? Edulastic has been my focus for getting them ready for that. I always confess what I'm um lacking and it was always how to score extended response or short answer it's very subjective a fellow teacher may be more rigorous or more strict than me on scoring it because i know what the student's capable of but they may expect more from them and so just learning how to score it myself and i did that in all subject areas as well so the short answer and just making sure that they can take those sources and apply it to, and really answer the question, not just dance around the, the question with kind of fluff answers, but actually get to the heart of answering the question. Also, in the past, students could memorize, We someone had mentioned the memorization, and you could get a student who may not have the same reading level as the other students, but you could, enough review and positive reinforcement that they would be ready on that day I do worry about where it's going with the inquiry, the writing, and the reading. If you have a student that does struggle with reading comprehension and their ability to still score as well as others, or at least, I don't know how to word that, and everyone's nodding, they understand, but just get them to the same level as the higher level readers. And does all this reading put some students at a disadvantage to score well, or will they score, see the benefit, and well, they did try on this part of the question, so the scoring process for all learners, um, short answer practice, working in the writing, all of those right now are concerns. What support would be helpful going forward? We in reading and math started, our principal printed for us the KASC, the Kentucky Academic Standards Checklist. And once I had that checklist, I have it marked on my board and I'm constant, I even printed it as a worksheet. Me and my students went through all the content wording that you talked about, making sure they understand the vocab and the standards, but it still says coming soon for social studies. So if you could possibly find out more information on when that would be available, and everyone also talked about the lack of standards and lack of information for the social studies, but we use those checklists for reading and math all the time, and I constantly look to make sure I'm staying on track with that. So a standards checklist possibly maybe a curriculum guide for the best way to approach these at the beginning of the year all the way to the end. Any of that would be um, helpful for me going forward. Okay. Does anyone have something that you use or uh, a way of checking those, um, those writing pieces? Do you have a rubric that you use? Do you use the one that's available on from KDE? Um, anybody have a thought there, the way that you do it? I've been using the rubric from KDE mm -hmm. with my DBQ responses. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I mean, just so that they'll be familiar. I mean, you're going to be grading it with the same rubric that someone mm -hmm. who grades KSA will be grading it with. So, mm -hmm. 
just what I use. But and I've kind of found that actually, especially when we start with the short answer and on demand, the students are a lot of times more critical of their own work than even I will be. So there's a lot of power in giving them a copy of the rubric, mm -hmm. letting them score their own. And tip, I mean, typically they will score their answers even more rigorous than sometimes even I would. That kind of shows them what the expectation is. Or the live scoring. I do mm -hmm. a lot of that, yes. especially yeah, I try sure. to do a question of the week and do kind of like a DBQ of the week mm -hmm. and um, have them score and I'll put them on my smart board or on my Aver board and cover up the name. And that helps a lot to see others mm -hmm. because I know, especially for me, I'm a visual person. So if I can see what someone else is doing, it helps them a lot, give them ideas of how to set up things. And I also do rap race same thing um with that and give them highlighters and i know it's not doing it on the computer but if they can visually see that they've answered all parts of the question then each, each color is a different highlight piece of or a different color of a highlighter um it helps make sure they have it all too and edulastic has the present mode yes. and i love that and yeah. i've just discovered that more recently and I've, I've used that for more math and reading, but now I'll segue to social studies. Mm -hmm. So that's helpful. Yes. Yeah. One thing to make the highlighting for the digital part, we will sh type on a Google Doc and then share that with each other. And then they can highlight mm -hmm. each other's and comment on theirs. So I feel like that would mm -hmm. could help too, especially find their claim or their, th their thesis, their evidence within their writing. And I shared the writing rubric today, the on-demand. We went back through that. So maybe I can also take that same approach with social studies as well. Yeah. And then I'm going to check on the checklist to see if we have an anticipated release date Thank for that. Yeah. Bobby? Um, I guess I can kind of build off um, what, what you said. You know, it's that getting them ready for that rigorous writing. I know with some of mine, it's it's a stamina issue because they'll say, I'm done. And now let's go back and yeah, let's look at this. What else can we add? What else? What other support can you give me? You know, um, but just making sure that making sure that they are persevering enough to get that evidence where it needs to be and tying it back to what's being asked. Um, and, you know, I am trying to use the, the language from the standards, um, but I know still sometimes it seems like they get confused about what they're being asked at times. Um, and I know with the different learning levels that we have within our classroom, I have noticed that uh, if they have a lower reading level, then they're going to struggle a lot more or if they're good on the reading level but they have that writing issue you know getting it from their head onto paper if they could sit here and talk to you and tell you it would be a, a great score but getting them to put it on that paper you know a lot of times can be a real issue um, so i think the the writing concern is more for me and you know used to i would say oh it's the technology i'm really concerned about being able to do the technology but after the last two years of being virtual uh, or you know having virtual stuff and and then then our school has uh, 
you know, Chromebooks for everybody. So they've had access to that Chromebook for, you know, the time they were in second, third grade now. That's less of a concern. Um, but I think as far as the technology issue, when you get into that test, they've got to know how to click the little tabs or to use the markout button or to use this. You know, so there's still a little bit of that concern going just because it's not the fun stuff that they like to do, you know. Um, and support going forward, I, I agree, you know, that checklist or a curriculum guide, um, just the best way to spend our time, you know, because with social studies, everything's split even, you know, <laughs> history is 25%, geography is 25%, economics 25%, um, civics 25%. So how to get everything we need in that quarter <laughs> that you, you know, you need to allot to it uh, would be very helpful. Yeah. Does anybody have, um, I don't know that it's a curriculum map or what it is, but maybe an outline of your year of how you're chunking these standards because they're not meant to be taught in isolation. Um, so they, ha they have to be embedded. So anybody have this great outline that you've put together uh, of units? Maybe that's how you've arranged it. Maybe you've arranged it differently. Um, <laughs> the Knox County people are looking at me because <laughs> uh, the past what was it? Two years. Two years ago, um, when we were really focusing on starting to focus after coming out of COVID on these new um, standards, um, we were asked to create a pacing guide for the district and that all of us would follow it. Um, and I found that to be so difficult. Mm -hmm. And I spent hours and hours trying to wrap my brain around how to, okay, I'm going to make a pacing guide, but then I also have to put it in certain blocks with the civics and the history and the, yeah. And, but then also how do I put on here that we're going to embed that through everything? So it was very difficult and I can still, every time I look at it, I'm like, we could change that. We could fix it. And I'm always riding on it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not perfect whatsoever, but I can share what we do, what we have. Um, but it, it has um, a, column for the standards, the unit, and then the assessment type and the learning target that goes along with it. So for the four, nine weeks. Yeah, I too have experienced the joys of trying to make yeah. a, a district-wide, oh, you know, curriculum map. Um, the, the only, the thing is with the newer revised social studies standards, uh, they almost don't lend themselves to the rigidity of like this perfect, like, okay, here's this, here's this, here's this. Yeah. And when I make those, it's funny, I, I create them and I'm like, okay, this is a basic framework. In the end, I sort of just uh, have to trust myself about how I'm putting it together and what I'm referencing. And uh, I just find the more I get exposed to the standards, the more that I just keep them in my mind. They just subtly influence what I do. And I feel like here in a couple of years, we'll, we'll all be a little more adjusted to how, you know, just naturally yeah. it coming to us. But I, I agree. I think we need to be a little more cross-curricular there yeah. as we embed things. And I know one thing, I, I'm new. I'm new to the to the TCI program, the Social Studies Alive. We've had the books for years, but I never had the full program. And so I just found the button, <laughs> just found it, you know, light bulb went off a couple of weeks ago and it's correlations. And you can go to any lesson and it correlates all the standards from social studies to reading, to writing, to everything that you're covering in that lesson. 
and I know that's really helped me, but it's only helped me for the last couple of weeks because I didn't know about it. Um, but, you know, I guess just looking back and finding whatever it is we're using, if there's anything like that that can correlate to those cross-curricular standards, I think that would be helpful because then you can double dip in reading or in writing or in social studies or maybe even in science. You know, you can bring in some of the stuff there as well. For anyone else that uses TCR, I know I use it a lot, um, but I've the last two years during the summer, I went to, they have this really awesome uh, professional development that they do for whatever like grade level you teach. So highly recommend it. it's in July typically. Um, I've always had to get it approved by my principal, but I, I've always gotten it approved. But it's a really great, um, they call it summer seminar or something like that. But if you're not really familiar with TCI and want to get familiar with the online platform, that's a really good one to use. And I think what Jared said about we are fortunate now it has narrowed down in its scope, mm -hmm. but we are also now more dependent on younger grades mm -hmm. to fill in the gaps. Whereas before I thought, hey, if they don't know social, I'll just really quick fill them in. And I kind of always knew the content. Now I'm very dependent on looking back to third grade. And I said, where is all this other government stuff? We have a program we didn't mention before, Study Island, which is excellent. So I've been able to go back in last year. I said, we're going to have to fill the gaps because these are the grades that missed. And the current group we have now were third grade virtual. So we've been going back and starting with the third grade on Study Island to fill in the gaps and work up to fourth grade. So I think in time, it's going to get better as far as the order that we teach this once we fill in. the. And we used to teach Native American students, loved it. Mm -hmm. Now it's not as much. It's more conflict with the settlers and that kind of thinking. So I think it's going to just take time, too, to build the program sort of back within your buildings mm -hmm. and um, maybe think broader too. what can our whole school wide get on board with some social studies activities and events and the movies that Jared had mentioned earlier, getting all grade levels into some kind of level of that or just be more social studies minded school wide. That work part. on multiplication, wow. all grade levels. And mm -hmm. this would be just kind of taking that same concept that everybody can contribute to social studies in the building and help fifth grade. Yes. That would be really awesome. And that vertical but, alignment yes. is going to be so essential because you're going to have to trust <laughs> put that trust out there. And we say for writing and we say for reading. Reading is easier because the standards sort of stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. Math, third and fifth seem to be aligned, fourth and sixth. Mm -hmm. And now everyone with social studies. Yep. Kind of going along with what Crystal said with Study Island, another really good program is IXL because it's very individualized. Um, I, I build skill plans for each individual student when I, I identify an area of weakness or an area where they might need just additional practice. Um, students get feedback if they have incorrect responses. It kind of fills in some gaps. Uh, it's something, especially the last couple of years where we have had students has had to be out of school for extended periods of time for whatever reason. They can keep working and that's feedback they can get immediately. So I, I really think IXL is a great program for that as well. That's yeah. a great point. We saved the skill plan for go, our textbooks for math and mm -hmm. reading, but I never thought to look up a social studies textbook skill plan mm -hmm. that could also help for social studies mm -hmm. as well. I'll link the standard on there. So I'll go to the Kentucky State Standards and put that mm -hmm. as their plan. Mm -hmm. So we could do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. be a good idea. Savannah, and she shared. Um, another resource for 
as far as like curriculum, I guess mapping or frameworks would be Jefferson County. I don't know if you all looked at that, but when I first started teaching, that's kind of what I went off of. And they have a ton of resources on there. They had like a map and then they have it broken down into nine weeks with supporting and compelling questions. So if you're not familiar with that, you should check it out. Um, my concern right now with my students is just uh, prompting them to develop their own reasoning. We've been working on that through the DBQs. Um, but sometimes, like, I feel like they can find the evidence and the sources, but they have trouble putting their thoughts and reasoning on paper. And so that's something, like I said, we're continuing to work through DBQs. And then um, something else that we've started this year was Gatekeeper. Have you all heard of that? I hadn't either, but my principal this year um, came into my room and actually modeled it for me. But basically, you split your kids up into groups. So we did three different groups. And you will pass out like the response that they're responding to and any sources that they need. And they're on their own. They respond to the question. And when they think that they have wrote the response using uh, race or CRE or whatever you use, um, they will bring it to you. And usually I'll sit like right in the middle of my room and I will go over it with them. Um, looking if they restated, answered, cited, and explained. And if they needed to fix something, um, you would typically score them like a one or a two, and they'll go back and fix it and try again. Um, if they get a three or a four, then they become a gatekeeper, so they'll sit beside of me. And as students finish with their responses, they'll bring their response to me and whoever else is up there with me as a gatekeeper to um, kind of review and see if they are answering the question correctly or not necessarily correctly, because, you know, sometimes it's uh, subjective to what they, to their opinion, but um, just to see, I guess, if they're following race and if they're really putting their reasoning on paper instead of just maybe what the text says. But I've noticed that in doing that, not only are the kids that are um, helping me, like, score these responses, not only are they seeing, like, how other kids write, but they're also able to help them explain in ways that maybe, like if I explain something, maybe hearing it from another student might make, make it a little more clear, I guess. Um, but usually I get four gatekeepers that will help me with that. And then once the other students finish um, and the gatekeeper spots are filled, they will help someone on their team. And usually like the team that has I guess like the most three or fours by a certain time, or if they all just worked really, really hard, you can reward them with something. That's usually what I do. Uh, but I switch up the reward each time and how, um, like which group gets rewarded, I guess, kind of like the guidelines. Um, and then support going forward. We had all kind of mentioned this earlier, but resources for the Kentucky, like government, geography standards, the economic standards, that would be wonderful if we could discuss at some point um, resources that you all use for that because I know I've struggled finding resources for it. And we will get into a portion of that, but if anybody has anything right off that you have in mind that you want to share, feel free. Was the exact same concern yeah. that I had. Through <laughs> <Okay. laughs> charge, um, they did introduce us to the Kentucky Historical Society and I found a little bit on there, um, but just like you said, through the Jefferson County where they link their compelling questions, they also link resources. Um, so I found a few things through that too. 
and that the Jefferson County goes all the way down through the grade. So talking about that vertical alignment, mm -hmm. it's hard to get someone body into it if you can't give them a plan. So giving them that plan or that resource may help them buy in a little bit more with it. Yeah. Thanks. Danielle? Um, my concern is kind of the same as everyone else. Um, we, some of my kids, I have almost an entire classroom of struggling readers. Um, one, one third of my classroom that I have. Um, and so I really worry about being able to break that, that down, those passages down, especially um, the multiple sources, because I keep them, they keep getting overwhelmed with um, how much information is there. And so I try to continue to tell them just to look at which source you're supposed to be looking at and they go from there and break it down into pieces. But, um, and then there's a lot of extra information in there. And so they think that they need that as well. And so just really, I've been trying to let them kind of cross out some of the information they don't really need, kind of like a math question. And, um, but, they do get overwhelmed with the sources, just like you all have said. And another one of my struggles is getting them to, yes, they cite evidence, but sometimes the evidence doesn't go all the way along with what they're explaining. They'll just kind of like, oh, yeah, I've got something from the passage. It's there from the source. But um, so really getting them to connect. This is what you're saying, but this is what you need to pull from the source. So um, and then another support would also be the Kentucky economics geography all of that is a struggle to find anything um and I think that's about it okay so we're gonna have an opportunity to talk really specifically about the Kentucky supports but does anybody have anything that comes to mind when you think about specifically geography I can speak to maybe the reading part mm -hmm. um, and it kind of goes along with what Bobby said about the stamina and pushing through the reading, especially when it's difficult. And it might sound unrelated at first, but um, we use HMH for our reading program and we also have social studies. And my mom teaches second grade. She's taught the second grade for years. And she said, Leanne, if you don't do anything with your students, you need to read fluency with your students every day. Mm -hmm. So this, you know, I've tried it before where they've read, had to read to me and it takes forever. But this is, um, it's called Amira and it's an online program where they read and it, it's, they read and take a benchmark at first and then they'll read into it every day. Typically about five minutes it will take them. Um, and we just, we just track them daily. We've seen so much growth in their reading fluency. And since there is so much reading with the social studies, if they struggle, they're going to be stuck on a word. They're going to, they'll just guess or give up. And it's so hard to see them struggle through that. So we're really hoping that using a mirror, this is the first year that we've used it as a fifth grade. Um, but we've already noticed because it will give them their words per minute and every day. And it's just like a little treat. They love to, at first it was a little bit shocking for them. Now they're like, are we reading? Or is it time for a mirror? Are we reading? Because if they go up, you know, we'll give them a piece of candy or something. But that may help if you can do some type of fluency that way, help with all the reading, especially because we've noticed a big jump since the beginning of the year. Sorry, Lynn. Is uh, a mirror, is that a feature of HMH? Or is it that is. Something? Okay. Yeah, right. it's within HMH. And I don't know if there are other, you know, 
online fluencies that would be available, but that's what we have been using and we've seen so much growth. And it's so easy. It takes nothing out of your day in that morning when certain ones go out of the room for a small group. The ones that I'm left with, I just say, open your Chromebooks, please go into a mirror. And sometimes I have them do one story. Other times, if we have a little more time, I'll set the timer at 10 minutes and just say, read till the timer goes off. But we are reading maps. We saw big gains with all level of learners mm -hmm. on that program. And is HMH, does it follow the Kentucky Social Studies Standards so better yes. than TCI? Um, I know, well, it's kind of comparing apples and oranges, but um, TCI kind of, I've struggled with it. Mm -hmm. Especially History Live, it goes, it goes kind of with the old standards mm -hmm. a little bit. And so, I don't know, does it follow? Yes. Okay. And they so have magazines good. instead mm -hmm. of the textbook now, so each um, unit has a magazine and they're very interactive. The tests are rigorous. Very rigorous. So last year I scaled down to third grade on HMH and would assign like the Constitution magazine for third grade and started with that and built our way up. Okay. Thank you. So we, I like to use the magazines. I don't always use the test every time because they are so rigorous and they take them a long time. But I'll always do some type of open-ended question like on a sticky note, you need to actually saw this through another program that I, I was using, but the, you, they had to write an open-ended question from what they read for somebody else to answer. Mm -hmm. So they enjoyed that. And with the Mira, the fluency always seemed kind of daunting to me, especially you have a room full of kids and reading, but I have 32 kids. I, do, I try to do it during my pull-out time because they read in their small groups also. They do a mirror during that time, but I'm usually have with 18 to 21 kids in my room during that and they all read at the same time. So they're able to do that too. All right, Liz. Kind of going with what Danielle had said earlier, the last couple of years I had spent a lot of time focusing on making sure we pull from sources. And it's almost to the point where they're so programmed that they have to pull from sources when they get to an edge elastic or even on, on the testing program and there's eight sources, they feel like they have to pull from all eight sources. And it's just like Daniel said, this year, my focus has been more on identifying what sources support what you're trying to say, what your argument is, how do we evaluate those sources and really focus on quality over quantity. So that's kind of, I've had to back up and reapproach it a different way. Um, something my school does is a little different is we use standards-based grading. And I mean, you could debate all day, good and bad on, of course, either system, but it has really impacted my instruction in a positive way because I always approach things that I have to give my students multiple opportunities to show that they have mastered whatever concept we're talking about. So thinking about different learning styles, I tried to give them different ways of showing mastery. So that's something that has been helpful. I, I kind of go with what everyone else has said. The standards that are Kentucky focused are much more challenging just because there's not really that network of resources yet. I think we're building them, but we're still in the early stages. So we'll get to that conversation. <laughs> Hopefully you'll find support in that. Um, and if not, then we'll, we'll build it together, right? Same. Um, just like what they've said, we focused on 
in the past years, we focused on sources, 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 and identifying the sources that actually support um, what they're trying to say. Um, also, navigating through the tabs. Last year was our district's first look at the social studies KSA, and um, I was actually able to give accommodations last year. So I was, um, I saw the students struggle navigating through the tabs. They just, the test navigation was new to them. So this year I've really tried to focus on using Edge Elastic because it already has those sources in there and it mocks the KSA um, navigation. So making sure that they know how to navigate through the different sources and the tabs, and then also picking the right um, source to support their answer. So we've really been working on making sure our evidence supports what we're trying to say. Um, and just like them, Kentucky. <laughs> okay. All right. Great. So for me this year, uh, an area of focus and concern was my district had undergone the process of looking for a good social studies curriculum. And uh, I really do have to brag on my district, uh, especially uh, when it comes to our curriculum person, uh, Elizabeth Norris, and she does such a fantastic job. And one of the things that she does is she really observes the process of selecting that curriculum and what Katie suggests and the way you should do it. And uh, so all of the social studies teachers, as well as a lot of our other general education teachers in the district got to come together to uh, select something that we thought would be best. And after going through the many, many, many options, um, the one that we found that worked the best for us was McGraw-Hill. And uh, it done the best job of addressing, at least in my uh, view, uh, the inquiry kind of approach to social studies instruction, while also providing lots and lots of resources. Well, you know, that has been a great asset to me, but it's an asset that I've only got to integrate um, since January. And so what I'm looking at is a year where I've started with, you know, uh, my blood, sweat and tears version of what I thought the social studies curriculum should be for all these years for the first half. And then the last half, I'm kind of giving, giving myself up to the McGraw-Hill way of doing it. And then looking at my results at the end of the year, wondering what can I attribute to one half or to the other since I've kind of split it down the middle. So for me, that's a part of it, uh, trying to get a grip on just how well McGraw-Hill will address this. I think it is addressing it really well, um, but that's, that's one of the big concerns for me. Um, also have concerns, this is something we hadn't mentioned so far, is the, politici the politicization of, of what we teach which it seems that we're uh, the most susceptible uh, when it comes to, you know, our content being on the news or someone being upset or uh, some kind of public outcry about this or that. And that does concern me. I worry uh, over the years if social studies will become at least in some way partially censored or that we will have further government scrutiny placed on social studies in the way that it's taught. So that is something that worries me, keeps me up a little at night. Um, and I think the other thing people have already touched on has been that kind of, I guess you would call it uh, the absorption of social studies, like through the building. And that's something that is a big concern because I think that there are many, many, many schools out there to where social studies has only ever even touched upon in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> what I found in previous years was that I spent my first two months of just doing backtrack work. And then after two months was ready to teach my year of content. 
And uh, and it what and that is not any kind of dig at any teacher before because you have to ask yourself the question of why if I were in that spot would I dedicate a significant portion of my time without any sort of assessment, uh, any sort of accountability attached to it. So I think that's something that we need to look at as a state government. Ask ourselves how much are we really valuing social studies if we're just have this very limited kind of you know accountability with it. And it places an incredible uh, burden upon, the, of course, the shoulders of uh, fifth grade and eighth grade uh, social studies teachers and on and on. Um, so those are some of my concerns that I'm having right now. I do feel that with the McGraw-Hill program, our district was gracious enough to buy it just for straight through. And so what we have now is a really excellent framework going from the bottom to the top. And I'm now seeing it uh, being integrated in some of those grade levels. And I do think it's going to make a difference. So that's something that I'm seeing. I'm, and I'm curious if anybody else has McGraw-Hill uh, Social Studies as what they're using. Looks like a no. <laughs> Everyone is shaking their heads no. I will. I looked into it. I tried to, um, I tried to reach out and get a demo because that's the, the program that I had researched and yeah. probably found the most connection with to like current Kentucky social studies standards. Mm -hmm. I'm just never been really satisfied with TCI or the way that like, especially with fifth grade, I teach sixth grade social studies as well. And I really do like it for sixth grade. It matches pretty straightforward with what, mm -hmm. we, what we teach in sixth grade, but fifth grade, there's very little that I can actually use that I found beneficial. So I've looked into it. Um, I can tell you that I've never used it. Yeah, but. yeah. McGraw Hill does seem to be the one that was formulated with the national social studies standards in mind, which the Kentucky standards are based directly off of mm -hmm. anyway. So it goes very well. So uh, I feel good about using it at least. And Peyton, to you. Yeah, well, that ties right into basically everything Jared said were my areas of focus or concern. Um, I've had conversations with um, other teachers in my building, especially our fourth grade and third grade um, teachers um, about like, the importance of at least hitting on social studies throughout the year. Like it shouldn't be something that students are have no idea of once they come to me in fifth grade, um, because there are standards all the way down to kindergarten that they should be at least exposed to. Um, and I, and I understand, especially from the third grade and fourth grade perspective, you know, um, our state doesn't assess it in third and fourth grades and they have, uh, other assessments, other assessed areas that they need to um, focus on as well. But it's just, it's it's important still, you know, for um, what I'll be assessed on in two years, if they have no foundational background, just puts the work that, more work than I'm required to do as a fifth grade teacher, backtracking and um, hitting all those. And But another area that I was just kind of shocked by whenever I first started teaching were the gaps and that has really been highlighted in the last few years. Um, you can tell that those foundational years in third grade, um, second grade reading, basic basic reading skills, um, a lot of our students today are, are missing um, and then trying to fill in the gaps there all the way back to even second grade. Um, our focus areas for me and then other teachers uh, in the fifth and sixth grade as well. Um, I don't know what support would help me going forward. I guess uh, finding a better social studies curriculum to help meet our needs for fifth grade. And we'll have an opportunity to hear what everyone's using, so you'll be able to okay. jot down some notes. 
Yeah, Leanne? Well, I feel the same way that a lot of them are feeling about using all the resources and the tabs. And I, I feel like just the more they're exposed to that and practicing it, it, they will, they will show growth there. And I feel like when I use Edge Elastic, especially, I will show them how they can earn partial credit. How, so, you know, and I, there's a difference between an apprentice, are you fully understanding or are you proficient in what you understand? Are you distinguished? And putting that over onto the students and letting them see how they're scored, I feel like, again, she gives them that ownership for that. So I like to use an um, edge elastic for that part. Um, I will say uh, I, I feel blessed that I've had some phone calls from t teachers in third grade and fourth grade. Like if if you had one thing that we could teach them before they come up to you in fifth grade, what would it be? Um, so I feel like that's wonderful for those that are looking ahead for us. And I'm always like, teach them about Kentucky, teach them about our government, you know, give them some of that background knowledge there. Um, so I feel like going forward, it is trying to close those gaps, picking the best resources. You know, time is always the hardest thing. I always tell my kids, I'm like, I need to keep you for four more hours before you go home so I can get it all in. So I'm always trying to, you know, we, it is a blessing to have a lot of resources. So I feel like it's great that we're able to hear from each other on, on what worked really well for you. So I just trying to pick out what I can do in the least amount of time that's most beneficial. It would be a goal going forward. Yeah. Highest use of their time. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I really hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am. Thanks again to Peyton Barnhill, Leanne Kersey, Crystal Little, Bobby Mason, Savannah Roar, Daniel Matlock, Liz Neely, Samantha Smith, and Jared Ford. And as always, Kentucky educators, thank you for what you do to make Kentucky a great place to teach and learn.